Welcome to the Journey with Care podcast. We're excited to give you a special weekly Upside Down Christmas Advent Series, an initiative of Care Impact. Every week until the new year, we'll explore the flip side of hope, peace, love, and joy, and how everyday people find these gifts in some of life's most difficult moments. So grab a hot cup of your favorite drink, sit by the proverbial fire as we journey through Christmas with care. Welcome to our fourth episode of our Advent mini-series where we're talking about the upside-down Christmas. Today, we get to focus in on the Advent of joy. And with me virtually on in-studio is Neba Abraham from Hamilton. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Wendy. I'm so happy to be here. Neba, I'm so delighted that you and I get to have this conversation. You and I get to have conversations, but it's time for Canada to eavesdrop a little So thank you for coming. I I specifically wanted you to speak on this topic because I know a bit of your story, but I want others to hear your story as well. For those of you that don't know Neba, she is a delight. She is actually on the Care Impact team in Hamilton, serving as regional manager. So she gets to do a lot of things with Care Portal and working with churches and those in the front lines of social services, working with children and families. So Neba, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Care Impact? Hey, Wendy, I'm so honored to be here and uh, thank you for having me. As Wendy said, I'm working with Care Impact and I absolutely love it. The team and the work culture at Care Impact is amazing and I absolutely love working with Wendy. As Wendy said, I live here in Hamilton. I moved to Hamilton almost three and a half years ago now. Before this, I lived uh, in a small city in the Middle East. Um, It's called Kuwait. I lived there for over 20 years, but I'm actually from India. I did my undergrad in India for four years before moving back to Kuwait and working there. And then I moved to Canada because I felt God leading me to move here. And you did your undergrad not in community development, in a very professional field. You had a job. Tell us about your profession, what you were trained in. Um, yeah, so I always wanted to become an architect. My dad uh, wanted me to become an architect because, you know, in India, Indian parents always have dreams for you. And so my dad's dream for me was to become an architect. And I did not become an architect. I went into civil engineering and I worked in this field of structural engineering for a bit, which was amazing. I always dreamed of doing that. And God gave me my dream job. I just, you know, when you're 22 years old, you think that everything is going to go perfect and life's just amazing. But obviously that was not what happened. So dad had your life figured out, which therefore gave you your life map. You had life figured out. But then (laughs) what changed? Why Canada? Why not in that profession? Can you tell us a little bit about your detour? So growing up, I think because I grew up in the Middle East, life was kind of predictable. Every day was kind of similar. Uh, There wasn't a lot of adventures to go to. And so I think I was a little bit of a dreamer as a child. I used to daydream all the time. And all my dreams used to stem from movies I watched or books that I read. And then growing up and going into university and then even graduating after, my life looked nothing like the movies or the books. It just looked kind of sad. I remember at one point of time, I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, I don't recognize this person anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. I just felt like, who are you? I, I, I felt like I was looking at a stranger in the mirror. I went so far from the person who God called me to be. And I think it was 
at that moment, I gave my life to Jesus in a way, in a very different way. I always knew Jesus. I grew up in Sunday school, but I never knew him personally. I never had a relationship with him. And giving my life to Jesus changed everything. And I think that's when I, my life sort of changed where I lived. I started having dreams where I was happy with wherever God took me. And it wasn't based on movies or or books that I read. It was more from the word of God and what God's will was for my life. So if I hear correctly, as you were in relationship with Jesus, he kind of gave you a new imagination. Yes. Right. New imagination for what God had for you. It wasn't so prescriptive. You were starting to look in the mirror and say, okay, God, maybe you have something beyond what I thought I needed. Tell me a little bit. Let's go back to that place where you were looking in the mirror and saying, is this all there is to life? And and what stranger am I looking at? Where was your level of joy in that moment? My level of joy, if I was saying from one to 10, it would have been at a 1.5 or two. Wow. I, I was at such a low point of life just because I wasn't in a place in my life where I thought I wanted to be. I had these expectations of where I wanted to be at a certain time, at a certain age, at a certain place. And I just didn't see any of that. It wasn't, my life wasn't miserable. It was just not what I expected it. And I do believe that there is a relationship between joy and dreams. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Another version says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when dreams come true at last, there is life and joy. And I feel like for me it was probably that, just not seeing my life go the way that I expected it and having my own dreams and visions for myself. And, you know, the world or the society puts this pressure on you that you have to be somewhere at a certain time and age. And it wasn't for me that way. Um, And as you said, Wendy, when I gave my life to Jesus, I felt like God put this contentment and peace in my heart that I was okay where I was, that if everything else was stripped away from me, I was okay because I had Jesus and I had the love of Jesus. And the love of Jesus is what gave me joy and happiness. Wow. And and I think this is probably something that a lot of our listeners, it probably resonates with more people than we often realize, because you're saying that when things were, you were checking the boxes, when you were doing things the way you thought would be a fulfilled life, you had food, shelter, family, you had education, so many things going, but you were at a 1.5 out of 10. You were still having the absence of joy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't so much of the conditions or the circumstances around you that gave you joy. It was an alignment with Christ and that dreaming, the possibilities of what he had for you? Yeah. And I feel like it was also at that point, I came to this moment when I was thinking, what if there's nothing beyond this moment? There's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing that's amazing or remarkable or incredible that's going to happen in my life. And that's okay. Because right now I have Jesus and I have the fact that he is love. I always had to circle back and every moment, every decision of my life since then, I had to circle back to, to God's love for me. Knowing that he loved me, I had to trust this God who loved me, that he's going to take care of me and he's going to walk me forward. And whatever he has for me is good, even when it doesn't feel like that. I think even moving to more than those times that I was sad because I obviously didn't have that relationship with Jesus where I didn't get revelations from his word then. I didn't have truth in my heart, like truth. There was no truth being spoken to me or over me. And so when I started digging deep into scriptures, when I got 
God's word was speaking to me. And that brought me joy because my situation wouldn't change, but I would have, I would have a promise for the future. And that gave me hope. And that gave me joy because I knew that if God promised, he would fulfill it. Um, though at that time, I didn't know how long a promise would take. for <laughs> Well, and I was going to say, like knowing a little bit about your story, and I don't know how much you want to go there, but after that, you've come through some significant difficult seasons um, that you weren't anticipating. And yet I can attest to it. I can testify that even in those deepest, hardest moments, those seasons that God had has brought you through even this past year, I have seen joy in you. And I, I believe and I see that it is authentic. It, it's not in the absence of grief or suffering, but there's an inner joy that it's like a fire that just cannot be put out. Can you talk about that? How has joy served a very real way for you, even in hard circumstances? Um, thank you, Wendy. That means a lot because sometimes I feel like most my my mental state of being at most days is sad is what I think. But um, I feel like happiness, circumstantial happiness is so different from the spiritual joy that God can give. Because joy is what God gives. He's a giver of joy and there's no one else who can give it. I think after coming to Canada, because moving here, I had I was literally moving into the unknown. I had nothing when I came to Canada except for a promise from God. And that was all I had. I knew that God was going to take care of me. And I can see his miraculous provision so many places and so many moments of my life coming here, especially because I didn't know anybody that was my big thing. I didn't have community here, but just seeing God's hand and bringing people, especially when I when you come here and you don't have anybody. Um, I think immigrating is always hard for everyone where they feel depressed and lonely. And especially when you come alone, it just it just increases and the winter doesn't help. And so, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I think now you're speaking to people. There's a lot of amens <laughs> right across Canada, especially in Winnipeg. But the first winter, it was so hard. Like I didn't have anyone with me, right? Like right beside me. But at the same time, I felt God bringing people like strangers just to love on me in different ways. And I think for me, it was taking those steps of faith that didn't make any sense. But when I took those steps, I would see glimpses of God's glory and. And I think those moments were not easy. When go, walking with God, sometimes it's not easy. It's it's an adventure. And I think even like the past few years has been different because I moved out of engineering in 2020 because I felt God asking me to do so. And I was uh, running away like Jonah, I, just pretending that I didn't hear, pretending that it's not what it is. Um, over time, I came to the realization, this is where he's leading me. And I just have to be obedient because obedience to God leads to good fruit. And just because God said it, it didn't make it any easier. I think it's just knowing that God loved me. Um, there was this one point last year where I stood at the bus stop and it was raining. It sounds a little dramatic now, but it was raining and I was in a hard place because I was at a job where it didn't make much sense. Because what does min- what, like, what is ministry? Like moving out of engineering to ministry? What does ministry look like? I have no idea. You think that maybe it's people you see ministry or you're going to be a pastor or something. But is that no, that was not what God had for me. And so I didn't know what that looked like. And so I remember just standing at the bus stop one day and it was raining, but I was tired. I would even take eight buses every day back and forth because it was 
I would just run to different things and do different things. I just had to fill my pockets of time with everything. I had so uh, multiple jobs just to take care of my needs. But I remember standing at the bus stop that day and thinking, God, I'm so tired. Like I just felt physically tired. And the only thing that came to my mind was the old little uh, Sunday school song that you learn as a child. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. And there was nobody else at that bus stop. I was waiting and I just started singing that over myself. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And I had to keep speaking that over myself because Jesus loves me. He's not going to leave me. And that's the joy that that's the promise that I hold on to God's love for me. And it's so beautiful, Neba. Thank you for sharing that. And little did you know that we were praying for Hamilton that God would bring us leaders and people. There was a movement happening. There's things happening, some exciting things that you are on the front lines working and connecting church into the areas of child welfare and building some phenomenal bridges. But we were praying for somebody. And I remember the first time Kathy and I met you, we're like, that's our girl. God's fingerprints all over her. I don't, I don't care how, how long it's going to take or how we're going to do it. But we just knew that um, there was something about your story and who you are and and how it resonated with what our team needed, that um, we're so blessed to have you in Hamilton, that God would call you all the way from Kuwait, all the way from India and, and in your profession to Hamilton of all places. And our paths crossed in a beautiful way. Yeah, I do feel that was God's hand in making us meet because it wasn't like I was I was hoping and looking for something because I didn't know what I was going to do in ministry. I didn't know where to apply. I didn't have a ministry background. And so that's when I saw Wendy's email at looking for a regional manager in Hamilton. And I thought, hmm, why don't I just message her back and see what she needs? So, And from the moment we met, you have brought joy into my life. One, your chai tea is amazing. Uh, I like your tea. Um, that is a, a, a kind of a tangible way of bringing joy to me as we sit together and pray and dream. You, you talked about dreaming. What does your dream look like right now? In what ways is God sparking your imagination, bringing you joy in that dreaming process? I love the correlation you said about dreaming and joy and the, the verse that you shared. What does dreaming look like right now? What do you imagine? I think for me, the season is not so much about dreaming, but just leaning into God and seeing where he wants to go next and just pausing on this adventure because the last few years have been kind of crazy and busy and God has helped me start so many new things that I never thought I would start. And I can see the fruit of all of that. But at the same time, I feel like I'm in a season where I'm not able to really dream as much as I used to before. But I'm still trusting that he's just he just wants me to lean into him. That is what I feel. And so it's been difficult to dream, actually, because sometimes when you dream and it, things that happen or unravel is not what you dreamed. Um, for example, I think for the past three and a half years, I dreamed that I would go home and meet my parents. But a few months ago, my dad passed away and I couldn't meet him. And I couldn't see him again. And for three and a half years, I literally every day would think, I might go and surprise them or I might go visit them and what that would look like. It's going to be amazing. And all of a sudden, it was like when my dad passed away and I came to know that that day, I remember thinking, 
oh my goodness, that was one thing. It was not the biggest dream that I've had, but I had this desire that I'm going to see my parents again. So I felt it was taken away from me, but at the same time, I had to lean in that moment and trust God that he already knew that moment was coming and he had prepared me for it because I just got married a few months before my dad passed. And so it was that day, the day that I got married would be the most happiest day of my life. I was so happy the first few months. And I remember looking in the mirror that one time again after getting married, I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, oh my God, I have never been so happy in my life. I wonder if this would be taken away from me because this cannot be true. This feeling of immense joy cannot be real. It just felt so, I felt like I was on this mountaintop and then my dad passed away and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, he is still the God of the highs and lows. Like he's still the God who's with me in that moment of immense joy, but he was with me in the valley and he provided someone to just be there for me in that moment. Because if I was a knight at the time, um, I wouldn't have Abraham beside me. That's a little bit of a whiplash from coming from the highest peak of getting married and to a wonderful husband and starting a new life together and this hope to one day see your parents Right. to getting that news. I remember getting that message uh, in the middle of the night when you contacted me saying, I have to go back to India. My dad has passed on. And so often we think of joy as being this elated mountaintop experience. But what does joy look like in the midst of your deepest grief? It doesn't mean that you're like, I'm assuming you didn't have a party when you got that news. But if it's a gift from God, did it feel like God had ripped that joy out, honestly, uh, at a time? Or was there elements of God's joy, these deposits of God's joy, even in the deepest of grief? Because you really had a close connection with your father. And you really had that long desire to be with him. And there was a deep, profound grief that you're still working through. What does joy look like in those profound moments of grief? It was kind of interesting, Wendy, because going to India, and I just dreaded it so much because we have different, a culture is so different where we had to do a, a lot of different ceremonies for the funeral and prepare for the funeral. So even preparing to go back to India was such a long flight. It was more than a day. We had to travel and get everything together in such short span of time. And then obviously everyone is calling me, asking me what happened and just repeating those words. And even like informing people, it was so hard for me to type that message to everyone. Hey, my dad passed away. And literally I would just look at it and think, is that true? Is this, is this real? Am I dreaming? Because it, obviously it's not dreaming, it's like a nightmare, but it, this is true. And I didn't, I had sleepless nights, but over and over again, I, I just knew that God was holding me. And it wasn't a ha-ha, like kind of like a, that kind of a joy where you're just like laughing and, and enjoying. But there's a joy in the midst of pain that it's an indescribable joy that you know that God has given, that it's a peace that passed all understanding. But at the same time, it still it still hurts. It was still hard for me to go through all those moments because I remember I remember coming to my house that first time because I thought after I get married I'm going to come with Abraham my dad was waiting because we were going to have a party you know after newlyweds we always have this big thing in India but 
I came back to home preparing for my dad's funeral. The house was totally different. Everything was moved here and there. It was people were there that I didn't even know who these people were. And there was this big, huge poster of my dad just there. Even the roads leading to my house, there were posters of him all over um, informing the town that he passed on. And it just sunk. It was this, I just like, oh my God, this is real. He's gone. He's not, he's not there at home going to welcome me. All those things that I dreamed of was not true. It was just the opposite. It felt like a little bit of a nightmare. But um, I remember going there and looking at that because it suddenly became all so real. I remember looking at that poster and I just fell down and I wept. And I went home and I just stood there and I thought, wow, I can see him. I can feel him all over this place, but he's not here. And yet right after I would weep, I felt like it was moments of grief and joy at the same time, which was so hard because Abraham would do everything to make me happy. He would say jokes, he'd do this, he would comfort me. And I had that comfort, but there was grief at the same time. And it was strange, but yeah, it was very hard. And also I remember that evening um, they brought my dad's body home. So they keep the body home for like a day or so before the funeral. And so I remember that moment. So you hear the ambulance coming and you know, it's my dad's body. And I remember that moment, I couldn't, I just couldn't sit. I just remember wailing and crying because I knew it was on my dad walking at home. He walking into the house, he was being, it was his body arriving in an ambulance and people were carrying it inside my house and that it was death in front of me. And so that was a real moment of grief and it was hard. But even though it was still like moments of grief with knowing that God is still in this moment, that my grief was real and dad did pass away. But my God is so real because if my God wasn't real, I would have no hope to ever see my dad again. I would have no hope of heaven, no hope of eternity. And knowing that this tangible thread of hope was eternity, was God, was heaven, that was what held me and that anger that God is still seeing, he's still there and there's a hope of heaven. Thank you for sharing that. It's a very new experience that you've come through and I appreciate you sharing because I think there's a lot of people going through grief, grief in different ways. And it's okay to be real about that is what I'm hearing you say. And I've also heard you talk about your dad when we've had conversations and some things that give you joy, some memories that continue to live on, right? Do you have any stories, any specific memories, short memories of joy that your father has given you that are kind of like gifts today that make you smile? Yeah, there would be so many, but... One thing my dad and I would do, Wendy, was sit and drink tea together every afternoon. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so that's where have... you get it from. I told you I, I get joy from sitting and having tea with you. <laughs> yeah, no, um, he he loved his tea. He would have tea twice a day and I do that. And Abraham loves to have tea. One thing, um, though, it's a fun fact. My dad's name was Abraham Matthew and my husband's name is Abraham Matthew as well. So it felt like when God took away my dad, he still sort of like has, I still have that sort of in my husband. Neva, let's talk to our listeners. I know right now there are people experiencing profound grief and hardship at this time. What words of encouragement can you offer them if they're in pursuit of joy? What would you say to people going through immense difficulties like you have gone through? I think that God is good even when it feels like it's not the 
season of joy. I feel like there's going to be seasons of sorrow, of pain, of grief, and it's inevitable. But God is good and he loves us. And I and I also, like I said, there is a relationship between joy and dreams. I feel like between there's something between about joy and tears as well. Without the sadness, without the tears, I feel like you cannot experience true joy. Psalm 126 verses 5 to 6 says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And it's just knowing that God is a source of all joy and your tears are not wasted because the Bible says that he stores your tears and he counts every every time that you have cried. He knows that and he holds you. I think it's it's those seasons of despair and sadness that makes you appreciate seasons of joy as well. When I came to Canada, I felt a friend spoke this over me. It's from Isaiah chapter 54. It talks about this barren woman and it says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. I remember in seasons of deep grief and sadness, I remember I would just sing. I'm not a singer, but I would sing my own song of God's promises. I would declare the promises God has given me out loud into the darkness of the night. I would speak words of life. I would go and I would go back to God's love and remind myself that this God who died for me would never leave me, would never forsake me. And I also believe joining in community and and sharing these this burden, like whatever you're going through with other people, because they care for you. There are people who genuinely care. Yeah, let's go there, Neba. I, I, I was going to also ask you, for those who want to care for people who are going through immense pain or grief or hardship, what words of advice would you have liked others to know when you're going through those seasons? How can others walk alongside others through sorrow and deep hardship and bring joy? I truly believe journeying in community is uh, what God intended. And sometimes you can be well-meaning, but at the same time may not come across that way to some people who are going through a difficult time. The other day, um, somebody at Care Impact was telling us this because we're going through this course together. And so they said the ministry of presence, it's just being there for someone. You don't have to say a lot, but just being there in their presence, just quietly just being there and reminding them, hey, I'm here for you. Do you want to go for coffee? And you don't have to say a hundred things, just being there with them. So you're saying, I don't need to throw you a party to get you to laugh again. And I don't have to fix your problems. It's enough for me to be with you. It's enough for me to listen to you. It's enough for me to just be present in whatever journey you're on. Right. That actually takes a lot of burden of responsibility off of me. I don't have to be the party animal to bring joy because you've already identified it. That joy doesn't come from external or we can't fabricate joy. That's happiness, possibly. But joy comes from God. What an appropriate message, actually. Emmanuel, God with us. He brought joy to the world in presence. And it wasn't in a celebration like so many were anticipating the Prince of Peace to come as. Right. It was in a very upside down way. Yeah. No, for sure. If Jesus hadn't come, if uh, he didn't die for us, my life would be meaningless. But I think, Wendy, like you said, just being there for someone and just messaging someone, maybe you cannot be physically present with someone, but just 
even messaging them and saying, hey, I'm praying for you. And one thing a friend of mine always does is even before this podcast, I actually just messaged her. I said, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm so scared. And I knew she would understand because she always gets scared just like me. But what she did is she sent me an audio note praying for me. I just felt like I was wrapped in prayers. And sometimes you don't have to say it out loud. You can send a prayer. You can just remind them you're praying for them. And I think that means the world to some people because they know that they are loved and they're cared for. And and I think that everyone goes through this journey of pain, of despair, of grief, of sorrow. But we have a God who cares for us and he's there with us and we will come out of it. And joy is ours because our God is a source of all joy. Well, thank you so much, Neva, for coming onto the podcast, sharing this episode, this Advent mini series on joy. It's such a delight to hear from you. And uh, we're just so grateful for you coming here. Before we close, I wonder if you could pray for our listeners who are going through this season that they may have joy and that we may have joy together. Father God, we just want to thank you for this time that uh, you brought us here together, Jesus. We thank you for all those who are listening, for all those who feel like they have um, no hope or joy this season, oh God. And I just speak joy over their lives, Father, because you are the God who can do all things and you are the God who can bring joy into their lives, Father. Whatever their situation is, oh God, whatever depths of despair or darkness they are in, Father, I just pray that you would infuse joy into their hearts like never before, Father. So when people see them, they would overflow with that hope and joy, Father. And I pray that your presence, Father, will cover them and wrap around them in this moment, Father. And that as they go about their day, they would feel the tangible presence of your love and your mercy and your goodness, O oh God. I pray that you would remind them that you love them, that your words, O oh God, would bring life and joy to their heart. Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast, where paths connect over real life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation, and loving our neighbor. Be sure to like, follow, and share. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage with child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or to learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or click the link in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.